You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Over the past couple of months, First Tech have noticed an uptick in advisor questions relating to clients claiming tax deductions for their personal contributions and how that may impact their liability to any Division 293 tax, being that additional tax on concessional contributions for high-income earners. I'm your host, Craig Day, head of the First Tech team, and joining me today to discuss Div 293 tax and how it might apply to personal contributions is Peter Wheatland, one of my senior technical services analysts. G'day, Pete. Hey, Craig. Thanks for having me. No problems. Now, Pete, many advisors are going to be aware that Division 293 tax will apply to their high-income earning clients that have incomes of around $250,000 or higher from employment or self-employment. But perhaps it's less well known that Division 293 tax can also apply in situations that the client may not otherwise expect. Yeah, that's right, Craig. Um, The income test for Division 293 is largely based on the client's taxable income, not just employment income. Mm -hmm. So it's not only applicable to individuals with a high salary, but it can also be applicable where the client has significant taxable income from other sources, such as capital gains Uh, or receiving an employment termination payment mm -hmm. or even receiving a taxable super death benefit. Okay, so now that's an important point because when a client receives taxable income from one of these, let's say a one-off event from you know selling a, selling a home or not a home, an investment property, or uh, or receiving a death benefit lump sum, advisors will potentially consider recommending that they use these lump sums amounts to make potentially large personal deductible contributions, maybe using those carry forward rules to help them reduce tax. Now, if the client's income is not normally that high, the advisor may not think of them as a high income earner and therefore not put two and two together and realise that Division 293 tax may also apply to their personal deductible contribution. So, right, so let's say we have a client, you know, maybe they sell an investment property and make a substantial capital gain. If we recommend that they make a personal deductible contribution to super, how do we determine any potential Div 293 tax liability? Yeah, so we first need to consider their level of Division 293 income. If it's less than $250,000, then a personal deductible contribution to super is not going to incur any Div 293 tax. Okay, yep. But if the client's Div 293 income is over $250,000, then Div 293 tax will apply to at least some of the client's concessional contributions for that year. Okay, so obviously the logical outcome from what you've said just said is, you know, what is Division 293 income? Can you, can you quickly outline that for us? Yeah, so try to put it very simply. Um, Division 293 income is largely based on taxable income. Mm-hmm. However, there are several additions and exceptions from uh, that income definition. Yep. So, but some of the more common additions are reportable fringe benefits, total net investment losses, and concessional contributions that are within the member's concessional cap. So there are 
other things, but in order to get the full definition, please refer to the our super guide for a, a complete list. Yeah, it's really quite a, a, a convoluted definition there. So if you want to know more, go and go and have a look at that first tech super guide or, or, or give us a call. Um, now, if a member's concessional contributions within the camp count as income, could making a personal deductible contribution increase their Division 293 income? Well, that sounds logical given that concessional contributions yeah. are included. Yeah. But with a personal deductible contribution, they're getting a tax deduction, which reduces their taxable income. So it reduces the taxable income, but it's included, it's added back. Yep. And so their Div 293 income as a whole is remaining the same. Okay, so I put a bit more in, but then I get a deduction for that. So that strips it out by the same amount. So the net amount is neutral. Um, so thinking about that, well, why is this relevant when working out how much Division 293 tax actually needs to be paid? Well, Div 293 tax is only applied to the portion of concessional contributions that causes the individual to exceed the 250000 threshold. And so, for example, if the client had taxable income of 250 grand mm-hmm. plus 10 grand of SG, mm-hmm. their total Div 293 income would be 260 grand. Yeah. If they make a personal deductible contribution of, say, 20 grand, yeah. then their concessional contributions for the year will be $30,000, and their Div 293 income will still be 260 grand, as we discussed. This 260 grand, though, is made up of $230,000 of taxable income and $30,000 of concessional contributions, which make up the top slice of the uh, member's income. Okay, yep. And then, as a result, only $10,000 of those contributions exceed the 250000 threshold, and therefore Div 293 tax is only applied to $10,000 not the entire concessional contribution. Okay, so another way of thinking about this is if the Div 293 tax income exceeds the $250,000 threshold and that excess amount is less than the amount of concessional contributions, then Div 293 tax will only apply to that amount that's over the 250 threshold. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. But what about if we've got a client that has Division 293 income which is way above the threshold? For example... What would be the outcome if the client had taxable income of, let's say, $500,000 and they were making a personal deductible contribution of, I don't know, $100,000 if they were eligible to use the, those carry-forward rules? Yeah, so in that example, um, assuming they don't have um, any other uh, of those components to Div 293 income, like fringe benefits or net investment losses then their Division 293 income would be 500 grand, mm-hmm. and that's made up of $400,000 taxable income yep. and the $100,000 concessional contribution. Right, yep. And then as we add back that 100000 concessional contribution, well, it's obvious that all of the concessional contribution will exceed the Div 293 income threshold of 250 grand. So the Div 293 tax applies to the entire concessional contribution in that example. Okay, so the important thing to remember is that depending on the client's level of Div 293 income, making a personal deductible contribution to super may or may not result in an increase in their Division 293 tax. But even if it does result in an extra Div 293 tax, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad strategy, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, The key part to consider there is 
the comparison between the tax rate that applies on the concessional contributions Mm -hmm. compared to their personal marginal tax rate. So if their marginal tax rate is higher than the effective 30% tax that they might be incurring on uh, these concessional contributions, then the strategy is still tax effective. Right. Okay. And I think the key thing here to remember is it's really important for an advisor to explain what's happening here to the client. Because unfortunately, I, I have seen situations where the client didn't really probably understand the advice. And, you know, they just got a bit of a shock when they got this very large Division 293 tax liability, but they didn't understand that they were better off overall. So they're really important that, like any advice, I suppose, is just to make sure the client knows what to expect. So when that letter, that lovely letter does come through from the ATO, uh, it's not a rude shock to them. They are actually expecting it. Okay, now I think that pretty much covers everything, Pete. If an advisor wants to know more, what can they do? We have a Q&A article um, in this month's First Take Monthly that deals with this um, exact question. Alternatively, if they want to find out more about Div 293 tax in general, um, they can check out our First Tech Super and Retirement Income Streams Guide on the First Tech webpage, or just give us a call. Okay. Thanks, Pete, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note that these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during the podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold, or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Adventist Investments Limited accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.